0: Family businesses are very unlike those owned by private equity firms or public firms. And um, some people think they are less competitive than those other firms, but studies have shown that they're actually more competitive. And one of the reasons they're more competitive, one of the main reasons is that the family's values um, are instilled in the business. Welcome to the Power of Respect podcast with Charlie Likewise, author of the book, The Power of Respect in Business. Charlie is one of America's foremost authorities on respect and leadership development. And now, here's Charlie.
1: Hello, I'm Charlie Likewise. Welcome to another episode of the Power of Respect podcast. Today we are talking about the role of generational engagement in legacy for family business. My guest today is Bill Goodspeed. Bill has deep experience serving board of directors, including serving as board chair and independent director for a number of family-owned businesses. His extensive board experience includes mid to large family-owned companies, and his expertise includes strategy, next generation development, and governance. Welcome, Bill. Great to be with you.
0: Thanks, Charlie. It's great to be here.
1: So as we think about uh, family business, and you've been consulting in this space for quite some time, As a board member and and as a consultant in a a number of cases, and I wanted to get your perspective on, you know, the generational engagement side of the processes companies you've seen go through and how that affects things like, you know, ultimately the decision making or governance, how it affects um, succession planning and ultimately the legacy of businesses. So if you could start with uh, maybe a little bit about your career and some of the some of the businesses you've worked with. Uh, and, and the challenges you've had in those engagements.
0: Okay. Well, I started my family business career, um, in effect, uh, joining my in-laws' family business, which is JM Huber, um, a now three billion dollar industrial company, very international. And um, I I started as a, a strategist in one of the divisions, then ran uh, division, and ran then ran multiple businesses. Um, at Huber. And at the same time, I was involved in family uh, governance, uh, family council, um, subcommittees of family council, and so on. Um, I, after I briefly went to a public company, I got, I got deeply involved with family businesses as an independent and, and served on the board of a BARDA, which is a large Coca-Cola bottler distributor in Pennsylvania. And then grocery chains, convenience chains, waste management, um, food manufacturers, uh, multimedia companies, et cetera. And um, in all of those companies, almost all of those companies, uh, not only did I serve as an independent director, but I also served as um, in some capacity as the person responsible for next generation uh, family development. Um, and engagement. So I, I, I've uh, fell into a specialty career of family business and next generation development.
1: Great. So let, let's, um, let's dive into the, the family generation development a little bit. I know that every family is different, uh, both their size, their makeup, their dynamics, etc. If you could talk about some of the challenges you see and what you recommend in terms of family business development and generational engagement.
0: I'd be happy to, it would be okay, Charlie, if I explain why this is so important um, Absolutely. as the backdrop. Um, family businesses are very unlike those owned by private equity firms or public firms. And um, some people think they are less competitive than those other firms, but studies have shown that they're actually more competitive. And one of the reasons they're more competitive, one of the main reasons is that the families' values um, are instilled in the business. Uh, For example, the value of loyalty to employees, treating employees well, um, loyalty to communities, investing in the long term, et cetera. And in order to keep those values alive and real, instead of just being on the walls of, of a company, it's important to have family engagement. And that family engagement has to continue through, through generations. So the key is to keep the family engaged without family engagement being in any way destructive to the business. If that makes any sense. It's mm-hmm. walking line. Mm-hmm. So there, there are lots of extremes to, to family engagement. There's the family that has no engagement. Uh, where the next generation doesn 't really care about the business and they want to they just want the money and those types of business are usually not long for the world at least not long for the world as a family business and then there are those where everybody in the family go, comes and works for the company and those businesses will have a different set of problems, because usually there's too much family engagement, there's, there's too much employment, there's too much involvement, and often destructive nepotism. The ones that really work well are the ones that go in the middle of those two extremes, where they have family engagement at each generation, the board of directors, caring shareholders, and um, often in family um, executives. And that's that's the sweet spot that, um, that certainly I shoot for. And I recommend, uh, companies I work with shoot for. Mm -hmm.
1: So how, how are some of the ways to, to do that? I mean, does it start, uh, at the time an opening comes, uh, to be involved in the business? Does that start, uh, when they're children, how, how do you recommend that?
0: Well, it, it really starts when they're children having some pride in the, family business and knowledge of what it is um, because ultimately the family business uh, legacy is is in and um, its name it's creating um, value for its employees long-term value for its employees as well as its shareholders and and customers but once you talk about more involved engagement it takes serious planning, Uh, to do because to get family members ready to serve as, for example, directors on the board, um, it's a long-term process. I mean, uh, I pose it to to you. How do you get someone who's 35, 40 years old to the point where they can be a valuable board member sitting amongst 60-year-old former CEOs and CFOs and chief strategists of, of companies. It's a, it's a tall task and it's one that takes many years of, of planning.
1: Mm-hmm. And when we think about uh, board of directors or even some of the officers of a business, there's certain technical skill sets that are important to make the business go. On the family side, many family members may not have those, you know, as they've develop their career separately from the business or in a completely different vein of, of uh, opportunity than the business. How do you recommend they bridge the gap between a family member who is a smart person, caring person, but on the other hand, may not have the technical skills that are best suited for the business? How do you how do you manage that uh, either development and or involvement in the business?
0: Well, the first thing to do is to recognize what you just stated, which is um almost always family members aren't going to be as qualified on paper as the outside directors. And if you just think of the, the world out there, there are thousands of potential good outside directors, and there may be only a dozen family members or 40 family members to choose from. So, um, you just think of it that way. Um, and usually family members are younger and, um, as a result, have less experience. So so companies need to recognize that their family directors, particularly in the next generation, will not have the same qualifications as an outside director. However, they, they need to be qualified to be family directors. So they have to have the intelligence, they have to have sufficient business knowledge and maturity to be able to contribute at the board level even though they don't have uh the technical knowledge so my view and the view of a lot of the companies i've worked with is, is to spend years um accelerating their development and that can be encouraging them to have uh, outside careers management consulting firms investment banking um, another industry player um, master's degrees, etc. But at the same time, go through specific training to get them ready to um, serve the company on the board of directors. One tool that I highly recommend is using uh, training director positions, call them associate directors, call them non-voting directors. But it's a a program that um, I've used in probably five or six different companies where Uh, Next generation um, uh, members serve on the board as non-voting directors for two years. Um, They have a mentor who's an independent. And by doing that, uh, they learn what the board of directors is like. They learn how to participate in the board of directors, and they learn a lot about the company. At the same time, the board can evaluate their potential to serve as full directors um, down the road. For example, I did that at JM Huber when I was in my early thirties. It was it was an invaluable experience, and I've seen at Huber in particular, uh, they've used this very effectively to to train. Uh, now I think there are six uh, Generation Five uh, members who serve on various boards um, at Huber as full as full directors.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting, too, as the generations grow, and therefore the number of people grow, uh, some some I've talked to in G5 may have 50 people by the time they get there. Uh, Others may be certainly in the 30s or 40s for G4 and G5 in terms of number of people. And there's not going to be that many board positions or even officer positions for all of them. But it strikes me that there's another level of uh, involvement and responsibility that will be coming their way that
0: these programs would be positive for as well. And that that's ownership. Certainly that's, that's the, um, the upside of doing the program or the upside of, of people not being ultimately picked is that they become better owners. Um, and, and usually people recognize after they've gone through a program like that for two years, they recognize whether, uh, sitting on the board is for them or not. Um, very rarely, do you see someone who thinks they want to be on the board uh, permanently and is, they think they're qualified, but the board doesn't think they're qualified? I have seen it, but it's rare. Um, usually people go through it and they say, wow, this is great. I've learned a lot about the company. I'm excited about the company, uh, but I'm not raising my hand anytime soon to serve on the board of directors. And there are some who go through and say i'm really excited and i think i can do this and i and i want to do it mm-hmm. uh, and it usually works out mm-hmm.
1: so in terms of of outside or not outside this premature word here but in terms of directors the balance between family members and outside directors with expertise for a family business whether it's a formal board of directors whether it's a, just a board of advisories do you recommend a balance between those
0: two skill sets? Balance is important. If it's predominantly outside uh, directors, then the problem is um, the flip side of what I referred to earlier in the secret sauce of, of families. If it's if it's dominated by outsides, sometimes the family values, the long-term thinking gets diluted and hurt and you take away some of the strengths of family businesses. If it's dominated by family, uh, you lose the benefit of the outside expertise, which in every case I've seen in family businesses, they value. So I recommend either a slight majority of outsiders or a slight minority of outsiders, but, but a balance. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And as you, as you've experienced these, uh, development programs you've helped companies with in terms of developing family members. Um, Ultimately, there's going to be somebody who gets developed, goes through the development process and gets selected and some that don't. And the question is, what has been your experience with that impact on family harmony and other elements and maybe how to overcome that in the process?
0: That is really a good and very, very tough question. Usually, People recognize uh, who are, who are the better future directors, and and people are people who aren't picked in their family branches are are content with just being good shareholders, or they think that the next sibling of the next generation coming along will 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 be better, and so on. And it usually um, does not affect family harmony, but I've seen it happen. And, um, and I will say in some ways it's inevitable, uh, because as long as there's going to be family involved, there's always going to be a little risk to a great risk of jealousy that some branch or somebody's kids are more involved, uh, paid more or whatever than, than, than others. And, um, that can cause problems. Matter of fact, with family companies, a lot of the the rift that could, can creep into a family company is one, one branch or one set of relatives um, is resentful of another. Um, it's usually not over vision of the company. It's usually who's, who's more influential in the company and who's, who's running the company or on the board and so on. So um, the, the mechanisms that help that are the mechanisms that grow family harmony and and increase engagement, such as um, family annual meetings with the company annual meeting that includes social elements, that include educational elements and, and ways to help everyone understand um, where the company's going, why certain decisions are being made and so on. Another thing I've seen um, is if, if someone doesn't get picked who really wanted to be picked um, is to let them go through uh, a training program again or to tell them to go do more development work in their career and come, come on back. Um, and those are rare cases because usually somebody, let's just say someone's a school teacher, elementary school teacher, and, but they wanna get involved and, and they realize that they're, they're not comfortable In that environment and it's a it's a it's a you know mutual choice um but occasionally that's not that's not the case rarely Mm -hmm.
1: you know it sounds like it's important in these development processes for these folks to have them understand the commitment that goes along with the responsibility they're seeking um and that commitment understanding what that is in terms of the breadth of the business the number of meetings the hours it takes to prepare etc how what have you seen in that regard in terms of the success of the development when that's understood versus not
0: the, the trouble of next generation um, involvement on the board of directors uh, sometimes is that there's not enough time availability. And I remember I had that problem at one point because I was, I had a very vigorous job at the management consulting firm and I had a hard time taking time to two days, every quarter or so to go, away for a board meeting and that's that's something that happens all the time Uh, some next generation family members handle it by taking their vacation days that way which is which is unfortunate because everyone needs their vacation to to recharge Um, but some some companies see it as an amazing development opportunity um the employing company seat as amazing development opportunity and and are supportive, but I'd say it's about 50-50 on that regard. People have to realize that the board involvement is more than just one day, a quarter, or two days, a quarter. There are meetings in between by Zoom or telephone. Um, They could be committee meetings. They could be special board meetings. There's the need to prepare for the board meeting, read the board book carefully, think about it you know, for a week or so ahead of time. There are follow-on conversations. There are, um, there are uh, unstated requirements that you keep up with the industry, which is you know, Google alerts, reading the Wall Street Journal and so on. Um, it, it, is a big, it is a big time commitment and, and young people have to be aware that if they're going to be serious about being um, a director, they've got to figure out a way to put in that time.
1: Right. Now it's it's more significant than meets the eye initially, um, yeah. and it's important that they they take the time to make that commitment so that they can fulfill that responsibility in in the broadest in the broadest way. So, in terms of uh, in your experience with other companies and sitting on other boards what have been the more successful elements you've seen in board succession planning or, or generational engagement, if it's indeed a family member succession situation, what are some of the more you you've mentioned some of them, but what are some of the more successful elements in those boards?
0: Uh, One really important thing that a lot of people don't talk about is that the family in one way or another should be involved in, in selection of the board, both the outside directors and the family members. Now, people say it's always an election, but the way corporate elections work is a thumbs up or thumbs down. And uh, technically any thumbs up is an approval of the slate or, or a director. It's not a majority or anything like that it's in in some ways it's a kind of a rigged system the board picks a slate a slate goes to the family the family says yes almost always and um so if there's not input on the slate um it 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 can result in problems and i have and i have seen that where the family wasn't very involved or the right family members weren't involved in the creation of the slate and the slate comes out and the family's unhappy about a couple of the directors. And, and that's that's a big problem that, that should never happen. So what I recommend is either having uh, family members who are on the board, who are uh, respected and trusted by the family sitting on the board nominating committee Um, being very involved in picking the slate and in effect evaluating both the outside directors and the family directors, um, that's absolutely critical. If that's not not happening, then having some sort of family council representative or family council nominating committee uh, members sit um, with the board nominating committee to make sure there's not any disconnect between what the family wants and um, the, the board itself and the board slate. Mm-hmm. Some family companies are so big in um, is one of them that it's, it gets, it gets very difficult for family members to know the directors personally, the independent directors. And so it becomes like a public uh, proxy where there's a short bio of each director. Um, but in effect, the family has to trust uh, the family members on the board uh, that, that that these independents are doing their job, and and that's that's not apparent um, if if there's not uh, a communication a communication pipeline. And if that trust breaks down, uh, there can be a big problem, um, a big big piece of unhappiness in the family uh, with the board, and mm-hmm. uh, that can be quite destructive.
1: Mm-hmm. So that, I'm taking from your, your comments that it's extremely important the connection between the family council or whatever version there is of that and the board of the operating company involved so that the the understanding of what the family wants and needs are uh, just as opposed to the what the business needs are and having a discussion about that.
0: Absolutely. There, uh, there are issues that go way beyond uh, picking the directors. For example, um, what are the values of the company? What, um, what's the vision of the company, growth vision, for example? What's the liquidity plan? Uh, what's the dividend plan um, for the company? Because family often relies on the dividends. And what, what are the liquidity needs of the family? And it's really important for the board to understand all those things. Not that they're always going to um, provide uh, for the family, because sometimes that isn't right for the company, but um, but they should at least understand those. And in my experience, when they understand those, they figure out a way to serve to serve uh, the family. But the best way to understand those is through family council or some type of regular meeting with with um, a large number of family members.
1: So, as as family development, we've been talking about family member development. Their understanding of those things as well at the appropriate time is also key in their development. sounds like
0: yes, absolutely. That gets into financial planning, um, uh, understanding uh, the value of their of their ownership, what what money they're going to get out of the company, for example, um, dividends, uh, potential liquidity, um, estate planning, whether whether they wanna stay involved in the company as an owner or not, these these things all require a lot of um, education. Uh, The best uh, mechanisms to do that that I've seen are usually around the annual meeting uh, of the company, which usually is the annual meeting of the family. Um, And I always say that in those meetings, there should be one third business, uh, one third social and one third educational. And the educational is often about the business, but also things about financial planning um, and, and what the business provides financially for the, for the family.
1: It seems that the, the, the element of the things you're talking about in, in family engagement, generational engagement, are key, the communication process, etc., are key to helping them manage the dynamics between family governance and business governance needs as they go forward you find that to be the case as well?
0: Absolutely, 100% uh, the case. Um, If the family isn't engaged and the next generation isn't being educated and pulled in and engaged, there's going to be divergence between what the family thinks and wants and and the business. And that divergence can lead to a lot of bad things. Um, Ultimately, a lot of times in a family company, it's the sale of the business or it's the buyout of significant numbers of family members. Um, But it can lead to this deterioration of the family influence on the business. Some classic classically educated business people think family influence on a business is a bad thing because the family, you know, spoiled wealthy people who don't have as much experience and so on. And people can understand why, why some would have that point of view, but, the, the values that family owners bring to the, fa- to the family business and, and reinforce in the family business are very, very critical. I believe that, for example, employees in family companies tend to be more engaged and happier than employees in public companies. And there is a tie between employee engagement and financial success. I, I believe that family values and family engagement are critical to creating a loyal um, workforce and so that's an example of how how continued family engagement is very critical to the success of the business long term right
1: i know that's a that's a great understanding of that and i think that uh, that balance people do tend to forget or assume things about that are not appropriate and therefore don't keep the balance going Uh, I'd really appreciate your input and and your insights here. Is there anything else you want to add to this discussion uh, before we go?
0: Well, I think Charlie, you're on to something that's vitally important for all family companies. I think uh, sharing um, how to engage the next generation is vital and uh, family companies generally are generous with sharing their learnings and, um, I appreciate you being a mechanism to do that. That's great. Thank you very much for having me.
1: I appreciate your time as well. I want to thank Bill Goodspeed for being with us today. And I especially want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Power of Respect. If you'd like what you heard today, please consider sharing this podcast and visit our website at expertsinhow.com. A quick reminder, if you'd like to read my book, The Power of Respect in Business, it's available on Amazon. And I look. I want you to look for my new book coming out soon, titled The Power of Legacy in Family Business. Thanks again for listening. And remember, respect builds trust, trust builds relationships, and relationships are the key to leadership. Thank you. This has been the Power of Respect podcast with Charlie Likewise, author of the book, The Power of Respect
0: in Business. To listen to more episodes and to learn about Charlie's leadership development programs, visit his website, expertsinhow.com.